Welcome to episode 117 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Jackson. I'm Brian Levin. Today, we caught up with Dylan Field. He is the CEO and co-founder of Figma, a design tool. It's an awesome design tool. I use it all the time, and it's great. So we picked his brain about building design tools, how he got into it, uh, the journey here, what he's working on, what the team at Figma is working on. Really fascinating, really smart guy. And Yeah, he's ho- not traditionally a designer. He just really likes design tools. Yeah. That's pretty chill. So before we get into that, two things. First, if you're looking for more podcast goodness, uh, go to spec.fm. We have six podcasts on our network, all aimed at helping designers and developers level up. It's pretty rad. We've got a bunch of great stuff. Uh, our newest show, Fragmented, just joined. They've got rad t-shirts already. They're just so on top of it. That's going to be a really awesome show, especially coming up with Google I.O. Check them out. They're fantastic, especially if you're looking at like designing for Android. So again, more podcasts to help you level up at spec.fm. And second, before we get into this episode, we have two sponsors we want to thank for making this entire operation possible. First, thank you so much to Dropbox once again for sponsoring this episode. Dropbox is a box where you put all your stuff, it lives in the cloud, and then when you want it, it just drops back down to you. Dropbox keeps all of your files in sync on all of your devices, keeps them safe in the cloud. So if something happens to one of your devices, you aren't totally screwed. We use them here at Spec, keeps us in sync with all of our audio files, all of our documents. It's really amazing to use, so simple to set up. Can't recommend it enough. We've, Brent and I have been using it for years. It makes our whole workflow so much easier. And it's an awesome tool for designers. You can share design files in one click with a URL. You don't have to worry about downloading and uploading. You just send a, a link to your coworker or teammate. And non-designers can leave comments in line. So you can have discussions with PMs and or engineers. Or designers can, man. Yeah. We can all comment. Anyone, so, yeah. It's a free platform, okay? Yep, 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 yep. Technically, anyone can comment, but it's a great way to have discussions on the files, straight in the browser, um, beautiful features that helps your team work better together on any kind of file that you're dealing with. It's great for collaborating with outside teams, too. When we did our headshots for Sidewire, we did the entire process with an external photographer and just handled it all in Dropbox comments. It was amazing. They've been an awesome sponsor. Can't thank them enough. Check them out. Go to dropbox.com and get started. It's an amazing tool and you should be using it. Thank you once again to Dropbox. And our second sponsor. The buenoest of buenos. Bueno. Bueno. Bueno.co. That's U-E-N-O dot C-O. You've heard him here on the show before. They're one of our favorite agencies in the world. An amazing team. Seriously, the raddest people. We've had several of their team on our show. Can we just stop for a second and congratulate Hallie and his wife for getting remarried at an Elvis chapel in Vegas? Yeah. Hallie, you're the man. (laughs) So they're sponsoring the show. They just want you to go check out their work. And we can't recommend going and looking at their work enough. Their dribble is seriously insane. If you've ever been on Dribble, you've probably seen their work anyways. They've been so amazing. And their team has been, they've done our uh, inspect weekly critiques a couple times and their feedback is just so on point. They think about things at a whole other level. They're a solid group of people doing amazing work. You can check out their work at ueno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. And if you're looking for a job, they're hiring. They have an office in New York, an office in Iceland, and an office here in San Francisco. Go to Wayno.co. They have a careers link in the header and tell them we sent you. Yeah, do it. So thank you once again to Wayno for making this episode possible. With that, let's get into episode 117 with Dylan Field.
I'm Dylan Field. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Figma. Simple. So I've been using Figma. I'm very excited about using it. There's some things that don't let me use it full time yet, uh-huh. but for icons, it has totally changed my workflow. That's awesome. So uh, can you talk a little bit about the pen tool and why that makes <laughs> everything way better? Wait, 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 wait. Can we talk <laughs> about the pen tool after you tell everyone what Figma is? No, 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 the pen tool. First things first, what's Figma? Uh, Figma is a collaborative interface design tool. Um, so I'd say that the main value prop we're going for, the really big differentiator is being able to work collaboratively on design. The way we see it is that the designer is the center of the world now. Um, oh, bold statement. <laughs> bold statement. Really playing to your audience Sorry. here. <laughs> Sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. Center of the universe. There you go. There yeah. you go. That's more like it. Yeah. Exactly. Make it a bit more bold. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the designers are working with all kinds of people in the organization. Engineers, product managers, marketing, other designers. And uh, their tools are still offline, mostly offline and not collaborative. Um, so Figma is trying to change that, but we're also doing a lot of stuff around making it easier to design interfaces to, uh, your point and, uh, and also icons and just making the tool easier and simpler to use in general. Well, this is the thing that has been, I think get, getting the most attention because you've yeah. been writing about it, right? Yeah. Well, we did uh, one so post. Your co-founder. My co-founder did. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting. There, there are tools that have similar pen tools, but you guys have kind of made that your bread and butter. It seems like. Is well, right? it's definitely one component of what we're building. Yeah. Uh, I think there's still a lot more we could do with it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I could probably, if you give me three years to geek out in vector tools, <laughs> I'd like love to take that. <laughs> um, <laughs> just like that alone, just put me in a room. But um, yeah, so when we started off building Figma, one of the first things we did was uh, looked at the ten tool again. So if you're familiar with the concept of a path, a path is uh, you start with an anchor point, and then it's a series of lines and curves. And when you go back to the original anchor point, it closes the path. And this makes it hard to draw some things. So, for example, if you imagine an isometric cube mm-hmm. uh, where you've got like a rectangle and then you're trying to draw from the bottom right-hand L of that rectangle, uh, another yeah. uh, rectangle and connected ball, it's kind of hard to talk about an audio way or an arrow is another <laughs> you have one. to draw on the Z-axis. And That's there's right. a lot of like crossing points multiple times. Exactly. Or another uh, way to say it is... Um, Let's say you're drawing a simple arrow mm-hmm. and you're going from the bottom to the top and then you have to go to the left and to the right mm-hmm. because you're not, let's say you're not outlining it. You're just trying to draw it yep. with like three different uh, lines. So anyway, if you're trying to do these things, it's pretty much impossible to do with paths in a very simple way. And what we did was just pretty like straightforward actually and, you know, looking back now and that's that we made it a graph of points instead, a network of points. And so you can just uh, connect any point to any other point. Mm-hmm with a line or a curve. And then you can also manipulate the points and curves just by clicking and dragging around and see this like very direct manipulation from it. I don't know a lot about vector tools, so I'm totally out of my element here, but I know that it's really hard. It's a hard thing to grasp. Like vector drawing tools? Yeah, yeah like Illustrator and Photoshop, all the pen tool stuff, it's complicated, the curves, and then you can have different kinds of anchor points that treat curves differently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think that the history of that is just so ingrained in so many people that it, like Adobe could never change it. But since you guys don't have that legacy, you can do whatever you want and actually reinvent it. Well, it's interesting you say that because that was one of our concerns when we were designing this, actually. Um, you know, one of the ways that I think about it when we started off was, you know, the temptation to go all the way back to basics, right? Like mm-hmm. if I take 
someone off the street and I give them our pen tool, it's like, I wouldn't expect them if I said, okay, draw a line even to figure that out right away. Right. It'd probably take them some trial and error because it takes a click, another click, and probably someone's default impulse is to click and drag. That actually Mm -hmm. sets the tangent of the curve with the pen tool. So one of the things that we tried to do when we were designing the pen tool was to figure out, okay, what are the existing metaphors people are used to? What are the keyboard shortcuts they're used to? What's the feel of the pen tool right now? And from there, we were it, we basically designed this user study, um, a few user studies, and put people in front of them and said, okay, use the tool of your choice and use Figma. And at first, it's like incredibly frustrating to do this because you know, this is the very start of Figma, and we didn't mm-hmm. have much there yet. <laughs> it's and like so, a hunch, right? It's, yeah. It's a hunch that, number one, the pen tool be better, but number two... Like you're getting all this other like feedback from the rest of the products. Like I'll give you an example. Um, we had one uh, pretty amazing designer in. And was, we're like, oh man, we got this guy to come to our user study. This is so cool. Um, and uh, and he's trying to dr- complete our task. Mm-hmm. And the time, you know, we're in the browser. And uh, at the time, plus and minus were our Zoom controls, not command plus, command minus. Mm-hmm. Now we use both. And he tried to press command plus. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't hijacked that yet. And so it zoomed the entire browser in. And he's like, oh, well, I don't want that. And he presses command minus. And he's like, okay, well, I guess you guys don't have Zoom. And the task was just impossible to complete without Zoom. Mm-hmm. And so he just starts leaning forward towards the laptop <laughs> and just like getting his eyes really close <laughs> to the screen for like 10 minutes before we stopped. And we said, okay, look, man, like we got to break the rules here. You can you press know, plus. <laughs> like you can press plus to zoom in. You got to know this to complete the task. But uh, anyway, so we we did all these user studies. And um, we basically try to figure out, okay, what are the differences between uh, our pen tool and the way that we're doing this and the way that people expect? And from that, we learned about like just all kinds of stuff and all kinds of history. Um, and we tried to make the pen tool adapt to that history and still feel natural to use. And the way that we knew that it went really well was that um, when you use the Figma pen tool, a lot of people don't even realize that it's changed. So eventually people were able to complete the task faster and they weren't even noticing that there's anything different. But then you go to a different program if we did the order of Figma and then the program of their choice. And uh, they'd be like, wait, this is broken. It doesn't change behavior until it just doesn't tell you you can't do something. Exactly. Something like normally you can't have two points in the same exact spot. That just doesn't work. Now you can. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> like <laughs> the first time I did it, I, I the error was the first thing that like struck me as like an interesting thing. And so I just, I drew a line, uh, I drew a point at the bottom, point at the top for uh, an up arrow, and then went uh, diagonally left and diagonally right and stroked it, and then outlined stroked. Uh, I just got a perfect arrow with like four points. Like instead of like usually drawing rectangles and like combining them and rotating them, and I was kind of blown away. So I I don't usually use pen tool. It feels hard. Like the best way to get a bunch of rectangles is usually just to build rectangles. So the pen tools one uh-huh. thing that seems to be blowing the community away, at least designers. The other is that it's all in the browser, and that's what's blowing my mind is that this runs in the browser. Uh, how did you decide to start there instead of just saying, oh, we're going to build a better Mac app or a better yeah. desktop software? Well, when we started working on Figma, to be honest, it wasn't, we were working on more creative tools at first, and with this gut that people wanted to collaborate with their tools. People mm-hmm. wanted to be able to connect with others. 
and so also collaboration was the starting point. Collaboration is one of the starting points. Okay. Another one was uh, there's a few different starting points. Different things came together as product tends to yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, and uh, you know, one of them was the classic mistake of, uh, and I'll, I'll call it a mistake just bluntly, um, of starting with technology. So WebGL was a technology we were really bullish on. Okay, and we thought this is going to change everything for creative tools. Not quite sure how yet. For context, <laughs> WebGL uh, is a way to basically use the GPU on your computer mm-hmm. um, in your browser. So it's you do all kinds of amazing graphics. Yeah. Did you end up sticking with WebGL? Or yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. yeah. That's how Figma was so fast. Got it. And it handles a lot of polygons really well. Yep. Like I did a, a grid pattern the other night that's like tons and tons of live squares and it just kept chugging away at it. And I was like blown away that it just kept running because Sketch immediately starts to like bogging down it's ridiculous yeah performance is so important so we've worked a ton on that and uh i think we can still get better you know it's not Mm -hmm. even at the the pinnacle yet but uh but everything from just tiling to uh memory management we're really dedicated to making sure that it runs on a lot of different hardware we should back up a bit sure let's let's go back before figma and then we can come back to it and talk more about design tools because that's fun uh you're from the North Bay. I am. To most people, that doesn't mean anything. You're from just north of San Francisco. Yep. Uh, okay. About an hour north of San Francisco. So I'm originally from near Petaluma. Area. Okay. Yep. It's a small town called Pengrove, if anyone knows who that is. But cool. most people don't. Uh, yeah. So I was. I grew up in Sonoma County. It's a gorgeous area. If you haven't been, mm-hmm. uh, go there wine and country. drink wine. Yeah. It's what we're known for. And uh, <laughs> Yes. It's one of our exports. And um, the, uh, yeah, I was... I got to work at O'Reilly Media during high school. That was a pretty big... How did that happen? Um, it was my one of my buddies. Uh, his dad was the IT manager there. And I got to restock water coolers at one of their events, basically. You didn't just want to like write books with animals on the cover? <laughs> I, I haven't written a book. I think I'd... All right. I, I didn't probably have the expertise to do that If you school. were to write an O'Reilly book today, what would your animal be? Oh, my gosh. What would the book be? And what well, I'm not sure be? if they have one with an octopus on it. Okay. So I, oh. I feel like I'd want to do an octopus, but I don't get to, you don't get to choose that. There's a woman at O'Reilly who chooses all the woodcut animals. Interesting. For the books. Yeah. She's like very legendary. Pulling there. back the curtain. The more you know. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. Yeah. The but crazy there, thing is. Is there title like Zookeeper or something? That'd be amazing. <laughs> right? The crazy thing is they've built a style that if you said any animal, I could envision it. In the O'Reilly style. Yep. You said octopus, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I've seen that, but I'm I actually just feel making. Like up I have too. I'm not sure style, if right? I, I have or not. Uh, insane. I don't have yet. An now it turns out that that's the most popular book, and you've seen it a million times. Right. <laughs> Intro to HTML. So uh, at that point, this was high school. Yeah. Interned at O'Reilly, or you were just helping out? I was just event? interning. Yeah, I, I got to work in their sort of PR marketing, but got to do a lot of different things. They were really mm-hmm. generous with me, and just let me try all sorts of stuff. Also benefit of working O'Reilly as an uh, intern is that you go to the warehouse and there's like a damaged books uh, rack. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like all the books that have like quote-unquote defects. And I, I couldn't even tell that there's defects there. But, I was, you know, I'd be able to like, okay, cool, like I'll learn this today. Just like get a new book. Yeah, yeah. It's so awesome. Did you did you go into that internship already interested in computers and technology and things yeah. like that? Yeah, okay. I'd been really interested since pretty early age in programming and just uh, computers in general. How'd that happen? If we step back a little bit. Oh, man. Um, Who doesn't like computers? I, Duh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've always pr- pretty interested. Um, I was really interested in cryptography for a while. But before that, even, I was definitely still trying to get my hands in compilers and stuff. So You were interested in cryptography before high school? Yeah. Hmm. Well, you were. You kind of came up as it like, 
I don't know what the term is, a math person? I, I wouldn't call myself that now. Like, I haven't done <laughs> enough math to do that, to call myself that. But. Every article you see about Dylan Field starts with math, like, I don't know, savant or something? Like, Definitely not a math savant. <laughs> Prodigy? I can, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> you went to school for math? I was CS math, yeah. Okay. But didn't do enough math if I was to, like, be back at See, I felt basic place. math. Like, math 112, I, like, couldn't make it through, so... I feel I like the out. way they teach math is just wrong. Oh, I agree. Because my teacher was 92 years old yep. and I was not going to make it through. Your teacher invented math. Holy shit. <laughs> he was there. He's Archimedes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, why Why do you think the way we teach math is wrong? Well, math is just really beautiful. And if you look at the logic behind math and sort of start to really take a more rigorous proof-based approach and like think of it that way instead of just drilling, you know, all sorts of stuff and all sorts of basically algorithms to get results. We might treat children like calculators. <laughs> it right. seems a little bit off mm-hmm. rather than like sort of uh, engaging their creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I couldn't pass basic algebra, but later I went to uh, Berkeley College of Music mm-hmm. and we had calculus for calculating waveforms. And I, that was fine. Like yeah. I could get that because I understood what it actually did. Exactly. But man... Algebra and I, not friends. Geometry, I was pretty good at. So you interned at O'Reilly. Yep. What happened next? This was in high school. Yeah. So after high school, I was like 17. Um, like the week after, I was like, okay, I'm going to move out. And I had uh, there's a startup called Indianero that I worked at for a summer. just before they got into YC. Uh, summer before. before. Before going to college. And uh, almost dropped out the first time, but didn't before going to college. <laughs> um but then I went to uh, to Brown. That was amazing. So I was studying CS and math there. Yeah. And I uh, got to do like a lot of uh, really fun internships and work at some great places yeah, along I, the way. I saw a few internships on the yeah. list. Can you talk us through like what that process was like? Because usually you hear like people are trying to get through internships as quickly as possible, get to like full-time employment or whatever, whereas an internship generally, they don't try to stack them. And it sounds like you had several. Yeah, I kind of saw the opposite. Like I just wanted to... I had no idea what I wanted to do at that point, mm-hmm. um, whether it was like go into academia or research or like maybe acting or something or like go Whoa. and, well, I, I acted as a kid, you know, and so I, I, and so I was like, man, maybe that's interesting or maybe it was like robotics or, you know, maybe it'd be like Silicon Valley stuff. Like, I just had no idea. Right. And so I thought, okay, if I can do different internships mm-hmm. that are like very, uh, very different in nature than I can uh, try to start to explore and understand what I want. And so, yeah, the first one I did was, um, I actually met this guy who's amazing. His name is DJ Patil. He's now the chief data officer of the United States, which is like a pretty neat title. Uh, He's also just like an amazing human. And uh, I met him through O'Reilly when I was in high school. And uh, he contacted me when I was at Brown and said, okay, freshman year, he's like, want to come work at LinkedIn over the summer? This is when LinkedIn was still pretty small. And so I got to work Mm -hmm. with a data team there. Okay. With a guy named uh, Pete Scomrock. And it was like a really special time for the data team. It was, you know, the term data scientist now is like this mm-hmm. term that's like, oh, yeah, of course, the data scientist in the world. But then it's just sort of coming into fruition, this idea that people would work on data problems all day long. They had a really cool team that combined sort of data visualization with really hardcore engineers, with uh, people that were more analytical or coming from all sorts of different disciplines. My mentor is a guy named Pete Scomrock, and he, uh, he had kind of figured out this way to um, list out for every, basically detect all of the um, different terms on LinkedIn profiles. And then, like, let's say that the term was like Python. 
you could tell you, okay, like here are the different terms that your profile has. And then for every term in the LinkedIn universe, here are the ranking of people with that term. Okay. And um, we were trying to figure out, okay, like, what do you do with this data? This is really interesting. Um, and ultimately, after I left, it turned into uh, endorsements. So this is why your grandmother indexes your Python. <laughs> uh, this is not that wasn't me, oh, was, uh, but they. Uh, it's a pretty interesting feature. But they were trying out all sorts of different stuff of how to do that. What are you most endorsed for? I actually don't know. Interns, interning, interning, <laughs> professional. I think it intern. might be user experience. I'm not sure. Because you you're often described as an engineer. Is that how you kind of identify? Um, I this point, like our team is. I would not pass the hiring bar for an engineer on our team. Okay. Nor the hiring bar for a designer. Yeah, you've got some pretty exceptional people. Yeah. So like, I don't identify as like an engineer or designer, probably more entrepreneur. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just get to work with exceptional people. And so, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get there. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, so LinkedIn. Yeah. Are these are these all summer internships or was this simultaneous? Yeah, that was summer to... of my freshman year. Okay. And then the next summer I was at Flipboard, mm-hmm. which was awesome and uh this is the second summer of their existence, so they're still pretty early as a company. I think it was around 25 people then. And um, basically started building out recommendation systems for them, um, some of their earliest forays into that, and then also got to hang out with the design team. And I was already really interested in design, uh, but that really, I think, solidified it even more. And uh, at that point, I'm just like, oh, man, what do I want to do in my life? You know, uh, no idea. You so I went to back to Brown. Uh, sounds about right. Yeah. What what was it like working with their design team? Because Flipboard sort of made themselves known for how they designed interaction yeah. in terms of flipping through news, right? Yeah, they had a lot of different uh, interactions they were going for. Um, they just had a very deep process, which was neat. Can you talk uh, about that? Sure. I mean, like, I think it's probably changed quite a bit since I was there. Sure. Um, by the time, it was a lot of exploration, very broad uh, and just really trying to figure out, okay, I think more from like a uh, intuitive standpoint than a data-driven standpoint. Like, what are we going to do to make this uh, feel right for our users? Um, yeah, it was a very interesting design process. It's hard to get quantitative data on something that's so qualitative like that. Where exactly. It's just feel. I mean, yeah, measurement is tough. Yeah. Um, but it was, they had some really... Incredible people like uh, Marcos Westcamp, DDA Hillhorse, Craig Maud, Johan Prague were some of them that were there at that point. And uh, just being able to sit, sit with them and get recommendations of what to read from them and to learn mm-hmm. from them um, was pretty outstanding. And uh, they were really generous with me and let me um, basically come back for another six months. <laughs> I went oh. back to Brown for a semester and then I was like, okay, Flipboard seems really cool right now. I'm going to go back to Flipboard for six months. So I was finished, I got through my uh, junior year first semester and then went back to Flipboard for six months and I didn't know it then. That was sort of the start of me dropping out. Okay, so you went back to Flipboard. Did you want to stay there? Um, well, are you just... Meanwhile, I'd kind of, I'd already applied for the Teal Fellowship. Okay. Um, so my co-founder, his name is Evan uh, and he's Evan Wallace and he's like the smartest person I know. Uh, he's a good person to select for a co-founder? Yes. Um He's also just like super dedicated and I don't know, sort of otherworldly in lots of different ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you and, met him uh, at college? Yeah, I did use my TA. Oh, and, shit. Uh, Crazy. Yeah. And so I was like, man, this is like the one guy that I'd ever do a startup with. Okay. Um, and we started talking about different ideas that we had. This is December of, I want to say 2011. So we start, and he was about to graduate because he was 
2012. I was going to be 2013. And he, uh, he had offers from like all the different places that he had uh, interned and worked at before. Is he engineering as well? Yeah, he's engineering, yes. And he'd taken Browns, you don't have to take any, there's no core requirements other than you have to take like one writing class. Okay. Evan had taken basically all CS with a few, like a physics and a philosophy class alongside. Um, but very hardcore. And uh, he, yeah, so we started talking about different things we were interested in. Basically, the list was creative tools. Uh, I think there's like maybe like one drone idea, but 95% of the ideas were creative tools. So we started like working on different stuff. And meanwhile, I applied for the Teal Fellowship sort of on a whim. I was like, man, this is never going to work out. But like, who knows? Maybe it will. Just kind of kept going through that process while I was interning Flipboard. And sort of by April-ish, it became clear because we were, Evan and I were prototyping stuff out, trying things out. And it became clear like, man, we want to do this thing. Like, we don't know if, how we're going to do it yet. But we want to just like work together and build something. And then like a week later after we made the decision, uh, the Teal Fellowship uh, called and was like, yep, you're in. And so then it was like, okay, cool. Like we have a way to do it now. For people that don't know much about the Teal Fellowship, can you just talk a little bit about that and yeah. what it entails? So uh, the Teal Fellowship is $100,000 over two years. Uh, spends monthly because it's for young people. And uh yeah, it's basically like it's a grant. It's a Peter non-dil- Thiel, right? Peter Thiel. It's a non-dilutive grant. Um, so you don't take any equity or anything like that. And it lets you just explore whatever you want to explore. Most people that do it are working on companies, although that's changed a bit over time. Before it was a lot, I think, a lot more research focused. Now it's more technology focused. Okay. So y- you got accepted? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um I don't know. I, th- I mean, there's a lot of pretty incredible applicants. So I, I don't know, but I I was really thankful for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit, like, what's it like on the inside? Because I've you hear about the Teal Fellowship, you see people going through it, but what's yeah. it actually like? You, It's a really incredible community. Like, the money is obviously great. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how we would have, it would have been, it would have either forced us to be a lot more short-sighted in what we were doing. You know, like Figma took a long time to build. Uh, and it's still it's taking a long time to build. You know, we got lots more we want to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's definitely like a long-term project. Uh, and I think that a lot of companies are, we live in sort of this world where a lot of companies are very, you know, you got to like do it on a weekend. Mm-hmm. Like go to the hackathon, like start your next company sort of mentality. And I think the Till Fellowship lets you think outside those bounds, which is really great. Since it's over two years, you have a chance to really uh, invest in what you want to build. What what else does it offer? So you get the money and then you said there's this amazing yeah, so there's, community. Yeah, so the community is just all these different young entrepreneurs. Originally, I think it was, uh, it was under 20. It had been under 20 when you applied. And now it's, uh, and I was 19, like three months away from being 20. So I just barely made the cutoff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh, now I think it's, uh, I forget what the age cap is now. I think it's not quite 20 anymore. But um, the, yeah, it's just like all these really ambitious, uh, really interesting entrepreneurial people that are across disciplines, um, but all like have this common experience of, for the most part, dropping out of school, um, which well, kind of unites everybody. That's how he kind of pitches it, right? Is it's basically he's paying people to drop out of school to like start companies. That was the original pitch. I don't think it's, I think it's more now about, uh, that's my impression. I mean, okay. like, obviously I'm not speaking for You're them. You're probably but, closer to it than I am. <laughs> uh, my Speak impression on is, behalf of Peter Thiel. <laughs> <laughs> my impression is that it's more about what can young people do even without experience now? Less about anti-education or, okay. uh, you know, 
let's see what we can do to collapse the student loan bubble or something like that. Did that change your perceptions of college and the value of what you were getting out of the classroom? I loved Brown and I look back on it really fondly. And I, I think of like education as like a really valuable thing. So no, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think that like people can, if they're given the resources, can do a lot at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that like more theoretical education has a very substantial place in people's lives. So you got the grant. Uh, did you decide to leave Flipboard at that point? No, I actually, I told them six months. Yeah. And so I finished so you, that. You stuck it out. Yep. And then my co-founder was finishing up school, like doing, finishing kind of clearing yeah. out the house at home and moving on to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get started until like August of 2012. 2012. I think we incorporated in like October of 2012. Tell me how, how you got started because it is a really amazing, liberating thing to have space to yep. think. It was awesome. You don't have the constraint of money and, and launching it in a weekend. So how did you guys approach thinking about what you wanted to build? Obviously yeah. in the creative tool space, but... Yeah, so it was creative tools was sort of like the boundaries of where we kind of let ourselves think. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it was a question of, okay, what what creative tool are we building? And we knew we wanted to do something with WebGL. Again, it was like started, starting with technology there. And we thought that the ease of use and the ability to just access uh, a tool in the browser without having to install something was a really interesting uh, thing and mm-hmm. could be a really substantial improvement for a lot of people and improve access across the board to tools. Yeah, I mean... The best current tool right now is Sketch, and PCs can't even touch it. But I also think uh, in terms of just, if you get over the install barrier, people that normally wouldn't even try tools start trying tools. And that's also really interesting. Okay. Um, that's not, I mean, we're really catering to professionals for Figma, mm-hmm. but I think ultimately, as we think about Figma as a company, it's like, how do you get to even a wider audience with all sorts of different tools? But anyway, going back, uh, we were thinking about uh, originally 2D to 3D um, was sort of the first thing we tried. Mm-hmm. So that was really crazy. It was basically the ability to take a 2D image and transform it into a 3D scene. Um, so you could annotate like a picture with skyscrapers. You could say, okay, here are the vanishing points in the scene. And then you could say, here are some rectangles and treat that image like it's projecting onto these rectangles that you drew. And from there, you could like rotate the image and see like a scene rotate in real time, which was which is pretty crazy. For like, what do we do with that? Yeah. What's the market there? Like uh-huh. real estate maybe or yeah. I don't know. Like it, it just it wasn't it didn't seem like something we wanted to like go build a company around. And from there we started looking at computational photography. Computational photography being um a way to like one one thing we tried there was the ability to face swap people mm-hmm. or uh try try to like change the colors and scenes, uh or you do what you could have been bought by Facebook already, man. <laughs> you were ahead of your time. Yeah. Um image matting was one. Uh What's that? So it's basically the ability. This is something that people do. It's like Flipboard, we call it like the Rihanna problem. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, or, you know, you got someone that has like their hair is like flowing in the wind or something like that. And they're in front of a background and you have to go and you have to basically extract them out and separate them from the background. And this takes like a lot of pixel pushing right now. Yep. And so we were looking into like algorithms that did that for you with minimal annotation um, and got some pretty good results. Yeah, we started looking at just all these different ways to approach these tools. And um, ultimately, we just felt like the the computational photography stuff that was more oriented towards consumers, it felt more like we were working on memes. 
to okay. be honest. And it just didn't feel as meaningful to us as professional tooling did. Um, and so I mean, another thing we did was we did this, uh, I'm with Obama it was right before the 2012 election. Um, it was actually pretty fun. This one, this one I liked. Uh, and it was, you could basically cut out yourself, like upload a photo of yourself. You could say, okay, the white is what I, is who I am. The black is the background. You extract it out and you could like position yourself next to Obama. You could kind of like scale uh, and transform the layer there. And then you like press the button and like did like the Shepard Fairy hope effect, <laughs> the posterization effect. And um, <laughs> and then you could like share it on Facebook. And, you know, we launched like two days before the campaign. It was like definitely like going viral. But then like, you know, the campaign happened just like zero, like drop off. <laughs> yeah. So we tried all sorts of stuff, but it felt very meme oriented. We tried to make a photo. We made a photo editor. That was pretty amazing, but it just felt like that'd be a very hard business as well. Mm-hmm. And we kind of stepped back and we went, okay, like what are the, what are the actual problems that exist right now um, that we are also passionate about and that we'd like really want to spend time with people that are our customers. Um, and just design was undergoing this pretty amazing transformation. Um, I think it has been over the past, you know, five years plus uh, from something that happens at the end of the process mm-hmm. to something that's happening throughout the process. It's not skinning buttons anymore. Exactly. Like it used to be. Exactly. And I, we thought of it as being that, you know, more people would want access to design tools. Uh, the field was undergoing enhanced, increased demand more mm-hmm. than ever before. The roles were increasing in collaborative. And just so things sort of started lining up for us in terms of, wow, there's like a real product that needs to be made here. This was before Sketch, uh, you know, fireworks had just been, I guess Sketch was around, but yeah. it was pretty, we were pretty unaware of it. It was kind of like another app in the app store. Mm-hmm. And uh, fireworks just been killed. And we we're like, whoa, like fireworks was killed. What were they thinking? You know, um, there's a real opportunity you, here. You were only a couple of the people thinking that. <laughs> I liked fireworks. Fireworks I, was great. I thought it was yeah, awesome. I used fireworks. I just couldn't believe it was gone. Like, yeah. I felt, interesting. I felt very sad. Strong move. Yeah. So anyway, then we started to work on on uh, design tools. That was about probably April-ish of 2013. This whole time, was it just you and Evan? Yeah, just me and Evan. When did you guys decide that you needed help? When we realized design tools were the place we wanted to go with the company, uh, then we raised money and we went, okay, let's like actually go at this aggressively um, because this is going to be a lot of fun. Can we talk about that a bit? Yeah, sure. So you were 21 at the time? Uh, 22? Let's see. It was April 2013, so... 20? Yeah, 21. 21. <laughs> Somewhere in there. And you guys raised a yeah, not, raised not insignificant amount of money. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it was... I mean, we have really great investors. And so Danny Reimer from Index led the round. Uh, and he's... Index is great. Like, super supportive. We really, like, didn't want to spend a lot of time raising. We wanted to more spend time building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were introduced to people we knew. And... Said, okay, let's just spend a month and let's see if we can raise money for this. Um, and it worked, you know, in terms of raising that that first round. Uh, and it was a pretty surreal experience, but we had like a, a great lawyer to help us out. That's one thing that people always forget is that like lawyers matter. <laughs> this is a dumb question, but I'm going to ask for it anyways. Classic Brian. Yeah, this is classic me. Um, did it ever get in your way that you guys were so young? Um I mean, this is Silicon Valley. People don't tend to care, but at this point, you're talking about four million dollars. Well, I think like as we, you know, continue to build the company, um, I wouldn't say youth is something that got in our way, but in terms of 
you know, all, all the classical things that you go through as like a first time manager, right? Mm-hmm. Like experience matters. Uh, and I think youth is a proxy for experience, obviously. Uh, if I had spent 20 years like doing engineering, I would have had probably the same struggles um, as I did without that experience. So, no, I, I don't feel like it got in the way too much, but uh, definitely, you know, a lot of these are first time experiences for me and for my co founder. So, not easy, but yeah. So, what was it like when you landed the round? Was it? It was like, oh, man, we have a lot to build. Holy shit. Time, <laughs> we have a lot to build. Time let's, to get, let's, let's get going. Yeah. 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 And has it, has it stopped? No, it's been great. Like, it just keeps, uh, it keeps getting more fun. Like, it, it was a long, it was very existential, like going and building this very hard thing uh, and taking a few years to do it. So, you know, it's before we, we announced it in December, it's like, man, like, we have a lot of validation in terms of talking to people informally and showing people the product and doing this research and whatnot. But like, we like it, you know, we use it, we've been using it for a year and a half before, like internally just dog fooding the product before we actually launched it. So we knew we had a lot of conviction internally around it, but you know, getting it out to the door is actually a very different thing. How much of Figma is designed in Figma? All of it. Is there a reason? At, at some point it, it like at first it's not a tool, right? So you got to, figure that out first and then yeah yeah um our first designer sarah uh last name sarah pease she was um at first when we were like we said okay everybody like it's the point where we can design figma and figma now uh and we started doing that she was very frustrated (laughs) Um, so she's like a real trooper yeah and uh yeah at first she was like guys i cannot do work like you know, because there's just at first when there's the performance was really bad, there's all these bugs and, mm-hmm. you know, that makes you focus the right things. You yeah. know, if, you, if you're, if the person sitting next to you is like, what are you thinking? You know, you got to go fix that stuff. Yep. Totally. Is there a non-obvious reason you guys decided to wait so long before announcing it? We just want to make sure we had like real conviction in the product and that it was ready and people would have real, get real value from it. And so it, that's, it took, that's a, the, that's it took a long reason. time to get there, right? It did. Yeah. The current mantra in the world is like ship it fast, ship it before it's ready. Well, we mantra, were, mantra. Yeah, I mean, we were putting it in front of people for sure. It wasn't like we were doing this in a vacuum, but um, you know, until we started seeing people actually adopt it, using it for work, like I think there's a transition point for any tool where people go from using it as a toy, to people using it as like a real product, a real tool that they depend on every day. Mm-hmm. Until we started seeing that, we knew we couldn't launch it. And you saw that just through user testing and informal Yeah, just like, you know, conversation. are people log in day after day? Are they using it like week over week? Yeah. Um, are people like writing in and saying that they really love it? Or are they writing in and being like, yeah, this will be really amazing one day? You know, or worse, and, not even writing in, right? Exactly. Well, actually, people were really supportive from the start. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. People would use it and give us just amazing feedback. And that hasn't changed. We, we're really thankful for that. Well, you guys have intercom right in the tool. We do, which yeah. Which made a world of difference starting out. Yeah. Uh, I was very skeptical when I first saw the video. I was mm-hmm. like, this seems a little far-fetched. And then uh, Saleo gave me an invite. Yep. And I was like, oh shit, this is amazing. <laughs> and then I ran into a problem and right away I, I just clicked that box and Aaron responded. Yep. Aaron Clayton Dunn. And like solved my problem immediately. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is uh, this is kind of a game changer. Like having, I think that's one of the best benefits of it being a web-based tool is you get these benefits of existing web-based tools like Intercom. Like that was amazing. Exactly. And it's so motivating for us too. 
you know, to have that direct line to the customer. I mean, anyone on the team can go and say, okay, like here's this feedback that we got, I'll respond to it mm-hmm. or I'll go change that in the code base right now and we'll go ship a new version. That was so amazing. That's, it's like a real, real big win for the team too. Do you think that will continue to scale with the product or is that like a pre-launch thing? That's a great question. I mean, I'd love it to. I don't know how we do that yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, there's a lot of cost involved if we actually scale it up. Mm-hmm. I wish it definitely luck, works for right now. Because that's really cool. Yeah, it works for right now though. And so mm-hmm. we're just basically right now trying to, to keep it going as long as we can because it just is, it allows for this different level of connection with the customer that you don't get if you just like, have, uh, you know, people write in and it's like, oh yeah, we'll get back to you in seven days, like, or something like that. So you're getting all this amazing feedback. You've got customers. Yeah. You launched. People can use it. Uh, it's preview release right now, right? Preview it release. is, yeah. What's what's the scariest thing on your mind right now? Like what's keeping you up at night about the thing you're building? I feel like a lot of stuff right now is, is pretty clear cut in just sort of the challenges that are out there for us. Mm-hmm. I kind of have, there's three buckets I think them in. Um, the first bucket is around just basically, okay, like we let, you into the tool, we give you this invite. And you know, there's like def like any product, there's drop-off uh in terms of the actions people complete. So there's a significant drop-off right now between like letting people in, like them making a f- like even entering the editor, right? So okay, fixing very tactical problems like that. Mm-hmm. Or making it really easy to invite the rest of your team in. Um and collab- start yeah, to collaborate. I tried inviting our entire team of like four thousand designers and it wouldn't <laughs> let me do it. <laughs> yeah, weird. Come on. <laughs> well, you guys have a really cool invite system right now, which is Slack-based. That's right. Which is pretty unique. I didn't know you could do it that way. Yeah. Um, so basically what you're talking about is the ability to connect your Slack team. Mm-hmm. And then anyone that has access to the Slack team can go use Figma. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't work with ours? No. All 4,000 people? No. That's probably for the <laughs> Not best. Yet. Not that's yet. That's probably for the best. Cool. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay, um, so that was the first bucket. That's one bucket. It's sort of like... I just had to clarify that I already tried because <laughs> I knew someone would ask later. <laughs> oh, I see for Spec FM. Yeah. yeah. I think it might be... that. We'll, we'll talk about it later. We'll, we'll, we'll debug that. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> We'll debug that. <laughs> uh, anyway, if it doesn't yeah. work, I'm going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second one is... Uh, the second bucket is sort of just iterative improvements in the editor. Mm-hmm. So we're getting all this feedback in. And there's also all these things we want to do. want to make the model just simpler, cleaner. Um more performant, you know, there's all these different little improvements when it makes the editor. And so we're doing a lot of that right now. How do you approach prioritizing that that cleanup and improvement and efficiency stuff versus things like letting it run on mobile so you can like preview, like yeah. device previews and things like that. Like that's a, a huge component of why people use Sketch or totally. uh, Scala View or, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, so I mean, I think there's some features that are requirements for mm-hmm. a tool. Like live device preview is a really important thing when you're designing a mobile app. Yep. Um, and there are other things that are more, I guess, things that'll make us uh, do really well long term. Yeah. And make us that we're really like we're doing the thing that we feel like we need to do in terms of making the product continuously better. What was the third bucket? The third bucket are these really long term, more game changing features. So the two ones that we're working on there. Uh, one is shared assets. And it's the ability to share assets across your entire team. And there's a lot of really cool stuff going on there. The setup already is pretty damn good with the feedback view now having yeah. the export. Like I just set up an export sheet for all of our icons for our engineers and they just can hit that button and take care of it. It's but amazing. Then imagine being able to take those icons and let's say you're working on that team of 4,000 people now. 
<laughs> I don't know why you want to do that with your stuck FM group, but maybe for Facebook's design team, right? All uh, 4,000 of us. Yeah. yeah. How many designers are there at Facebook? It's, I don't know. How many now? I don't even know. Not, not 4,000, 4, 4, 4, right? Know, but there's a few hundred, right? And you, like, I'm not sure what your uh, asset management system is at Facebook, but. Probably you know. nothing I can talk about. Okay. Well, fair. <laughs> That's fair. But uh, a lot of people right now are, they have like a sketch file and there's all these symbols in the sketch file. Um, and then everything burns down when one person messes with the symbols. That's right. Or let's say that I copy your the I copy that template and I start building off of it, and then like you decide to change something, you know what happens? You're mm-hmm. screwed. Yeah, is what happens. That's right. So I think there's a lot of things we can do there. Okay. To make it work, symbols work across mm-hmm. people and across documents. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second big thing that we're working on is multiplayer. Uh, I love ability. the word multiplayer. Part. Yeah. It's a good word. So it's basically Google Docs for design tools, right? Is it kind of what? Uh, yeah, it's the ability for as? multiple people to work in one document at the same time. Live editing at the same time. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. Uh, version control made a big difference too. It's, oh, cool. It's pretty limited version control, right? Like it's just every time you it save. It is right now, but it's, yeah. I think we're, we have some more things we can do there. I assume yeah. that would be the case. <laughs> yeah. Are you still in involved in the, the day-to-day programming designing of it? Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say so, no. Um, more like a little bit more high level now. Yeah. Uh, when did, how did that transition happen? Um, pretty early, actually. Like as we hired people that really knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> Who actually? <laughs> exactly. a good call. Yeah. Was that a challenge for you? Did you want to be in the trenches, or was that um, that a smooth well, transition? Well, I mean, I, I still probably if I, our design team would be like probably be like, yeah, he's still annoying us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I I definitely like being in the trenches and being detail oriented, but. Uh, my goal is to do that in a way that is more empowering than to uh, to be dictatorial, which is, you know, always the impulse. But, you know, you have such a level head about it. everything. I'm trying to extract something that you're struggling with. And it doesn't seem like it seems like you have a very clear set of priorities and clear timeline of what you want to do. Uh, and that's something that not a lot of people have. Right. Thanks. I think that's I mean, unique. We're we're trying. I, I mean, it's definitely. I think this be the struggle if dependent down would be like do it faster. <laughs> yeah, we always want to move faster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of the things that's interesting to me is that you have this opportunity to rebuild every single tool that's existed in desktop software like Photoshop for literally decades, and kind of build your own version of that in the browser. Tell me a little bit about what that's like and how you guys like. Is this an opportunity to reinvent every single thing in, in the same way you've approached the pen tool? Yeah. Uh, just what's that process like? Uh, that's definitely the temptation. Um, yes. I mean, it's, it's yes. Always, there's always a temptation that I think we have to be selective about what areas we're trying to reinvent um, versus adhering to existing metaphors for. Like one temptation that we definitely have is what does the file system mean for design? Uh I mean, I obviously, think that, it's the Mac Finder, and there's no other options. It, well, that's that's one way to look at it. Um, <laughs> Duh. Yeah, I, I, Duh. I think that there's. Uh, we're starting to think about. This is still very far away, but I think we're starting to think about. Okay, are there ways to make? Uh, you know, files are a very general abstraction for that work across all sorts of documents. Mm-hmm. Um, what would it look like for just design files, for example? I think more generally, there's this really interesting question you can ask about, like specificity versus generalization. Okay, so. For example, um, Photoshop is like you can do everything in Photoshop. Yep. Um, pixel editing to vector stuff to, I mean, heck, you can do three D in Photoshop. Three D, yeah, yeah, even gifs. Um, 
And for Figma, we're really trying to concentrate on interface design in particular. Yep. Uh, there's a really good essay that I like. Um, I think it's called None Such Beast. It's on uh, Stevie's Drunken Blog Rants. Um, <laughs> but it's actually really great. It's about irreducible complexity. About okay. what? Irreducible complexity. Okay. And So basically a threshold beyond which you cannot simplify? I, I think another way to put it would be there's always a temptation of, let's say you have a product that is A, mm-hmm. and someone's like, oh, but I love this other product that is B. What if you could do A plus B? Um, okay. And sometimes as you add on additional functionality and whatnot, that's conflicting with simplicity. And there's always, so I think for us, like one thing that we're really trying to do is to sort of contain that universe of all the things that Figma does so that it doesn't overcomplicate the tool. Another way to put that is like, I like dogs <laughs> and I've used Tinder. So why don't we combine A plus B? Well, not, not quite. I would it say could like, simply be, I need, to do, I need to do interface design. Let's not make a photo editor. That's right. Or like, I just have want a way to talk to, about like, puppies pixels, and, for example. and puppy Tinder. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, puppy Tinder sounds great. So <laughs> <laughs> I like puppies. I like Tinder. Puppy God. Tinder. You fucking nerd. Okay, so it's called irreversible complexity. Uh, irreducible. irreducible complexity. Irreducible complexity. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you the link later, but it's um. I'll put that link later in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, interface design is not necessarily compatible with hardcore pixel editing. Yeah. Um, at least not in a way that we've found yet. So a lot of features, especially on web, feel like they could be contributed to in an open source manner. Mm-hmm. Have you guys thought about doing plugins and allowing other people to build their own features? I think that'd be a really natural way to go about it. That's one of the best things about Sketch and Photoshop, like the the actions and everything. I just think it'd be so fun to like unleash the Figma community on just like improving the tool. Oh man, and designers primarily seem to know web tools above anything else. So it seems like a natural fit. I think so. I was thinking about that the other day and I just got so excited. I'm like, oh man. What would you build first? device previews all right yes <laughs> that'd be number one or uh data tools yep. yeah pulling in from an api totally that data was, tools is mine that changed my like entire workflow yeah the i think there's some really interesting stuff going on with design with data um i really i thought craft was an interesting idea mm-hmm. for example from envision yeah um i think craft 2 is gonna be a significant improvement with uh silver flows uh-huh oh that would be amazing just the linking between individual artboards, or I guess you guys don't do artboards. That's another interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, we about have it. frames. Uh, so, the one of the things that we do, the reason we have that is uh, frames are basically, uh, they're like groups, mm-hmm. only groups uh, have implicit bounds. They're the bounds of whatever their children are, mm-hmm. but frames have explicit bounds. And uh, you can also nest frames within frames. Mm-hmm. So, an artboard is like I've a frame. I've been doing that quite a bit. That's right. Quite a bit. Quite a butt. I couldn't decide whether to say quite a bit or quite a lot. <laughs> so quite a butt. Yeah. So one thing that's great with uh, frames is that you can add grids to them, mm-hmm. and then you can constrain objects to the grid. And then as you change the width of the frame, you're able to then uh, basically see what the layout is like on different device sizes. Mm-hmm. For example, that was one of the first things I tried out, and it's worked great, pretty consistently. It's awesome to hear. Yeah. It's been good. So, like, I'll make a frame that is an entire phone screen, and I'll make a frame that is a status bar and a frame that is a nav bar, and just shift things around, and they'll keep sticking. Have you played with this, Brian? Uh, no. And I'm struggling to come up with questions that isn't just like, "What's next for Figma?" They have um, a list. It's on their <laughs> website. 
Well, we have the, um, for multiplayer and, and shared assets, those are two of the big ones. Um, yeah, multiplayer, it's, it's to the stage now where we're starting to play with demos of it internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, there's still a lot of work to be done, but it's pretty exciting. Um, I think it really changes the way that, I mean, first of all, it just solves this core problem of like, well, I have the sketch file open and you've got the sketch file, you know, you try to open the sketch file that I'm working in. Uh, and you, you know, we have like a conflict. We currently right? have a whole like pull request kind of review system at work. And there's only two of us. It's just <laughs> the two of us. And so we have like our own like working files. It's Bryn.sketch and Michael.sketch. And then we kind of go through to a staging file where we kind of combine the two and yep. get something that's kind of ready. Then get approvals and then we push into master and then we push that to the engineers. It just sounds like a lot of work to me. It is. Yeah. Luckily, it's copy and paste work, which is not super hard, but it takes some time. But what I think- about Figma on... An intranet. Um, Hosted? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's not our priority right now, but maybe someday. Because, I mean, that's such a constraint for people like myself, right? Yeah, that makes sense. That sounds like money. Huh? People pay a lot for intranet tools. Yeah, but I can't I can't use Figma for Facebook stuff, Yeah. Right? The, um, I mean, one day we'll that's probably look into that kind I'm of stuff that. for yeah. on-prem or something like that. But right now it's just not in our, our aperture. Yeah, there's a lot of constraints for designers at big companies yep or the data has to be accounted for Owned. yeah yeah well small to medium-sized companies are more the target right now i'd say ha for once i get the cool <laughs> tools <laughs> brady gets the cool tools i'm stuck with sketch well but you can use it for side projects Figma. uh i don't design side projects i just like work in code work in code that's cool which is building a bunch of crud apis lately <laughs> Everything is crud. Everything he does is crud. Lots of crud. Well, Tons so crud. we didn't. I didn't know what the difference was between crud and a restful API. So I googled it on the way home. Yeah, and I still don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how different my design flow is today than it was even a year ago, or maybe like my last job, which was just over a year ago. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I, th- I was Photoshop specific for the longest time. Everything was sliced in different ways. I was drawing it 2x first. Yep. And then 1x and then 3x. So how are you guys keep keeping up with that? Obviously, you've hired some great designers who we are have, supposed yeah. to stay on top of that. But how do you keep up with the fact that designers process in the landscape of product design, digital product design, is changing every single week? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. it's um, I mean, it's just an amazing time right now. Right, like, we're getting everything we could ask for. It's I, as more, as I should. More. Like I feel like designers were underserved for so long. Well, we weren't like a market for the longest time. Like yeah. we started in what 2007, I think, is when like UI design for mobile devices came to the fore. Maybe 2008. I mean, that was when the App Store came out. It's yeah. crazy. I feel like there was like this winter in between uh, of just. Have you played with XD yet? XD, I have. Yeah. Um, XD. Uh, sorry, I can't oh. resist. No, it's cute. Um, I always <laughs> smile. <laughs> but I... Uh, I mean, that that's what XD is, right? It's like yeah, the it's like like, face. big smiley emoji. Yeah. No, I mean, I think like Adobe, it's great that they're entering it. Like, I mean, more competition is better for everybody, I think. It's nice that they're building an actual UI tool. That's a, that's yeah. a first. I think it's, it's fireworks, I, think it's I guess. Good. Yeah, it's fireworks. Um, huh, funny but, how that happened. Yeah, we'll see. I mean... I think it's just really cool that they're pushing too. I think we're very different than them, right? Because we're online, we're collaborative. But, um, but yeah, it's it's cool to see. Still very early, of course. 
Yeah, yeah. Where, where do you see Figma going in the prototyping space? I think right now we have so much land that we're trying to cover with prototype with with just the tool in general. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we've got like this file system. We've got you know the way all the sharing flows. We have commenting. Uh, then you go to the editor. And you've got like constraints. And you've got the pen tool, and you've got just all the performance stuff that you can do. And, like it, you know, it's, this goes on and on and on. There's and it's tons like of a stuff. A lot of a lot of ground that we cover as a team. And then you start thinking about like different platforms and whatnot, and just like I know it sounds like the browser, uh, it just works, and that's what it should be. Uh, but then like there's a lot of platform specific issues that come up yeah. as we start to address more of that. And uh, you know, to think about prototyping is a little bit just seems like a little bit out of our reach right now. So I think instead we'll focus more on working with the existing tools. And right um, now it's primarily Chrome as well, right? Like how do you approach yeah. going to different browsers? Is there a goal? Like is there a point to doing that? Um, I'd like to. I mean, a lot of it's blocked on very specific browser issues, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So things that are a little bit out of our control. But I default to Safari, and every time I like type Figma into Alfred, it opens up in Safari. I'm like, damn it! <laughs> Try again, Chrome. It almost convinced me to switch back to Chrome. Like I'm, yeah. I'm on the cusp for Figma. Like I use it that much, and, and I will, so I will, I'll, I'll give this to the Chrome team and uh, the testimonial. <laughs> <laughs> pass, pass our tidings along exactly. to the Chrome team. Yes. <laughs> How do you approach teaching designers good habits through the UI? I feel like that's something a lot of design tools don't do is form opinions and try and help people make good decisions from the get-go. Because one of the things we've constantly learned from having our community and everything is there's just things people don't know. One of the things you guys are exceptional at is pixel fitting. Just by default, it works so well. But there are things people don't understand. How to use grids. Do, do you have grids that have opinionated design behind them or do you I don't know if you have grids I haven't even like we do yeah use them. and it works really well with constraints too okay so you should definitely check that out but the, um <laughs> but subtle plug it, well yeah I mean, <laughs> super subtle uh, <laughs> yeah so I think like the way we see this is um we've gone back and forth about this a bit um and the way we see it is that when you're building a tool like you can either be super opinionated or you can like really try to get people lots of different ways to do things and so far we've really gone to the place of you can do all sorts of things in Figma. You can do lots of different workflows. Yep. And we're trying to explicitly create those different paths that people can walk along um, in terms of their experience the Figma. Are there times you wish you'd been more opinionated about a workflow or a way a tool should be used? That's a good question. Um, I'd say no, not so far. Because every time you get that opinionated, someone will tell you your opinion's really wrong. It's, particular, <laughs> it's particularly hard in tools for like designers and developers, I find, to be opinionated in how they work. Yeah. But sometimes, especially with younger people, it God, it pays off so much in like how much they can use your tool for whatever they're now that flow that becomes their flow and they yep. can do everything with you. Well, I think one interesting, there's a few interesting things here. So one is you can start to be more opinionated about platform uh, and give people really easy ways to sort of bridge that gap between design and engineering mm-hmm. uh, per platform. And I think it's one way you can be opinionated. Um, but getting back to what you're saying about younger people, like that's something I'm really curious about actually is I'm really interested in just the future of design education. It's right now, uh, like we've got, I think the Bureau of Labor Statistics says we're going to have like four to five more million engineers in the next five years or so. How uh, many designers? Like how many designers are there going to be? Right. And say. where are they coming from? No, it doesn't say. It, it's a very niche market too. Like there's a difference between, I mean, I imagine you're referring to software engineers. Yeah. Not just like generic engineers. Software engineers. Software designers. No one actually measures the statistics on those statistics. But I think they will. Right? Yeah, it's, hopefully. Uh, I don't think it's actually 
that's the thing that's been most mind-blowing to me is mm-hmm. that I don't think it's as niche as we think it is. Um, Interesting. I think it's actually, that's changing. And I think that design is becoming a bigger part of a lot of different companies. Well, I hear the average demand numbers are something between 1 to 8 and 1 to 14, mm-hmm. which is a pretty, like, there's obviously a smaller market than by by default, right? Unless you have something where it's not really a company, it's just like maybe a studio or something. But the mantra mantra has always... Is it really mantra? It's mantra. Shit. I'm going to sound so dumb. <laughs> mantra Ray. Uh, has always been that there's just never enough good designers. So mm-hmm. even if the ratio is still much smaller, there's still not enough people. I mean, the demand far outstrips the supply yeah. for yeah. designers right now. So how, how do you see yourself involved if you're really interested in the future of design education? Yeah. Do you want to play a role in that? I hope we can. I think like if we can make it... So I mean, first we're trying to make it a tool that professionals use. Mm-hmm. But I think from there, if we can make it a tool that's really accessible to people, both design people that are students. If it's a tool that generates professionals, I mean, that's, that's right. a self-sustaining exactly. circle. Exactly. Cycle. I mean, we want to be the, the tool that everyone uses yeah. in like five years, right? So a really good way to do that is to get the next generation of designers you know, while they're young. But uh, but seriously, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit uh, facetious about it, but... Um, Rob the cradle with your design tool. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but I, I think that... Um, it's really exciting. I mean, like one one thing we're doing right now is we have like a pilot. Uh, there's a class that's using Figma at Berkeley. Okay. I was, uh, you know, I'm going on Monday to to like check in and say like, hey, what's up, guys? But uh, nice. But yeah, it's been really cool just like hearing about them using Figma. Um, I just hope we could do it more. I think a lot of institutions still don't have classes even on interface design, and so I think there's just a lot of room for education to grow. Yeah. Could you even clarify that a bit more? Are you talking about education on your platform? Like, oh, we as Figma are going to write tutorials and videos and all this kind of stuff. Are you talking about education at at sort of the, the system level in, in the U.S.? Like yeah, the I'm talking more of the system, system level, actually. Okay. Like, you know, oh, I think designers come from all these different paths right now, which mm-hmm. is really awesome. But I think the time is approaching when people will say, no, this is actually like, this is the profession that I want to be since I was a kid. It's like a designer. Um you know, I think a lot of people, I think it's very rare to find a designer these days that like, knew from a very young age they were going to be a designer. The, you wanna, wait, wait, did, you guys, did you guys know that when you were little? I uh, wanted to be a car designer. You did? That's a very different. It's very different thing. than like interface design. Yeah. Right? Automotive design. And then when I realized I was bad at that, I went for um, audio engineering. And then I kind of fell into a design job. Yep. But, you know, I hadn't. What did you want to do? Mountaineer? <laughs> I wanted to grow a beard. Well, you did that. <laughs> that. Great uh, success. Thanks, dude. You can retire at 23. I hadn't thought of it this way, but most of the folks we've talked to on You're this dodging podcast the question in the go, worst way. We're curious about the the code of it, the mm-hmm. engineering piece of it, and then design came later. And it's this beautiful metaphor to like the way people think about design now is like the veneer that comes on top. And it's not thought of as the beginning of the process. That's how it is now? It's getting there. What? Design as the beginning of the process. Oh, I thought you were saying that people now think of it as the veneer. No. And I was like, no, 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 weird. no, no. Uh, so for example, maybe to, Facebook's to clarify, than I thought. Like the, the very common story is like, I one day I right clicked and viewed source and got interested in the code. Once yep. you got work, then I learned about CSS. Then I kind of went from there and started building websites. Yada, yada, yada. I'm a designer. Maybe someday that, that will actually be inverted. I, uh, I think so. I think it really will. Interesting. I wonder that how that's going to happen. Yeah. But I think systemically, we're a little bit off right now. There's not places that if you want to learn about interface design, 
Like, I think it's very hard to know where to go or even have the right resources. Right. I think a lot of people have up to date resources, up to date resources. And then also just going back even further, right? Like even learn about graphic design in interface design context. Hey buddy. Taco is <laughs> trying to get into the interview. That's right. Jesus. Sorry. What were you saying? Uh, I was saying that I think it's hard to um, even find the best resources around graphic design or interface mm-hmm. design right now online. So if you're in a very classic institution, you'll learn about graphic design, but probably not interface design. Uh, if you're or you'll about, learn something hyper-specific, like how to draw flames on text. That's right. Which is critical, <laughs> of course. But yeah, Obviously. Yeah. How to do a perforated background for your gauge UI thing. <laughs> oh, God. I think the one class I saw at my school was... Um, learn how to build WordPress sites. Uh-huh. And yeah. It's cool. That's rad. It's trying to bridge this middle ground of it's easier than computer science, but it's not quite like designing the product itself. It's like building on top of a platform. So yeah, I, I don't think that the school systems, at least the ones I've been involved in, are not quite there yet. The one I've been involved in. Uh, but I think even before that, right? Like in high school, in middle yeah. school, design's not talked about. You hear about, you take art classes. Very rarely is it talked about, yeah. Right. I had technical design classes. I really enjoyed those. At what age? Um, I was 11th grade. Okay, so high school. For me, it was always called like project-based learning. Interesting. And so it was never, the word design was never used. Is that a California thing? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, like we had things that now I look back and I'm like, it's kind of design-ish, but okay. it was definitely never called design. Interesting. So I would never have known like that was a career that I could go after. Big picture. You want to impact design education at a systemic level. I think that'd be, be pretty, pretty good. That'd be pretty amazing. Yep. Cool. Oh, we're out of time. Uh, anything you want to plug before you go? Figma.com. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't okay. see that coming. Where'd the name come from? Oh, the name? Ooh. Like Figma to your imagination. Got it. Yeah. So when you have, search Figma and not like Figma design tool. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a Japanese company out there. Yeah. I'm aware of. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so if you see the girls in like the, the, the little anime action figure, uh, that's not, that's oh, not this yeah. Figma. Wrong okay. website. Wrong Figma. Wrong Figma. Oh, wait. Tell the story about the, the video you guys have up on, on the homepage. What about it? How'd you make it? How'd you come up with it? They who found owned? a perfect white background. Who made it? <laughs> Why? Is it working? I want to know all about it. <laughs> um, sandwich made it. Uh, and oh, Sandwich made it. Sandwich made Crazy. it. Crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, they did a good job. Um, they, they're usually really bad, so <laughs> I'm glad they made it work for you. No, they're, they're great. Yeah. They got a team of pros. Because I think about your video and then Wake's video mm-hmm. as similar style and like catches your attention pretty quick, uses humor and comedy to sell a design tool. It's pretty cool. I thought Wake's video was great. Very funny. Will yeah. Wilkinson is a funny dude. And Tebow the firecracker with that song at the end. Link in the show really notes close. if you haven't seen it. Um, cool. Seriously, yeah. thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks, thanks for so much for having though. me. It yeah. was a lot of fun. That was episode 117. Thank you once again to Dylan for coming and hanging out with us. It was super fun. Thanks, Dylan. Uh, If you need more podcasts, again, go to spec.fm. We've got six shows on the network aimed at helping designers and developers like you level up. It's at spec.fm. And you can join our Slack team at spec.fm slash Slack. It's seriously awesome. There's like 4,000 people in there. 4,000 people. Yeah, it's nuts. It's crazy. It's really good, though. Like real good. So thanks for listening. We're looking forward to chatting with you in our Slack. Before we go, 
Huge thank you to our two sponsors that made this episode possible. First up, Dropbox. You know them, you love them, huge supporters of the show. They keep all of your files in sync everywhere, all the time. It makes it easy to collaborate and work with your team, work as a designer, keep your files safe. You can work anywhere with anyone on any file, on any device, from anywhere in the world. And that's amazing. Can't appreciate their support enough. Thank you once again to Dropbox. Go check them out at dropbox.com. And our second sponsor, our favorite studio. Bueno. Their team is just incredible, next level people, and their work is even better. It's crazy. So go look at their work at ueno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O, pumping out gorgeous work for amazing clients, and they want you to join their team. Click the careers link in their header and tell them we sent you. Thanks once again to Wayno, and we'll see you next week.